Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Uh, from Dust Till Dawn 2, Texas Blood Money. Oh, how was that? Ah, it's fine. It's really? A little crappy, whatever. It's got a bunch of the like gags from the original from Dust Till Dawn and then also like some other Quentin Tarantino movies, <laughs> but it's also like a super low budget like direct to video movie. So Yeah. Doesn't it have Bon Jovi in it? No. Is that he's in one of them, right? I think he's in the third one. Okay. And he's also in the sequel to John Carpenter's Vampires. Oh, that's what I could be thinking Vampires of. Vampires Los Muertos. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's like a little heist movie and everyone's a redneck and i don't know it was a fine like stupid movie i I wasn't bothered by it like something to watch late at night when you're tired yeah yeah i watched the last voyage of the demeter boat it dracula was, as everyone's yeah, was, referring to it, it was pretty bad really it wasn't straight up terrible but it was just kind of like didn't really i don't know it just kind of like repeatedly fell short it's like every time you're like, ooh, this could be good. This could be kind of fun. This seems kind of spooky. It just kind of fizzled. The design of Dracula is kind of fun-ish at times, and at other times it just kind of looks like a video game monster. The whole, yeah, it just, I don't know. It just felt kind of lazy, which is funny because it's just like this, you know, it's like kind of this semi-legendary script that's been floating around forever. and like You only had one I- chapter of the book to work with. Yeah, that's some that's good true. creative uh, constraints. Yeah, well, no, it's like it should be like, like all like this, like the setup is great, you know, vampire on a boat, right? But how do they get off the boat alive? And then you also can't just get had... garlic, right? Or no, they had no water. garlic, zero garlic. Well, they blessed the sea. What? That's not his thing in the movie. But imagine if there was a priest on the boat who would bless the entire yeah, sea. Yeah, he just looks like, at the ocean and does the sign of the cross. <laughs> right? And I'm like, we got to get Dracula like, in, in the water. Like, yeah. I Like, that would have been better, honestly, because at least it would have been like trying something. It does stuff like, you know, it's very classic, right, for, you know, you oh, I have, we end up having to uh, fight Dracula at night, right? Because that's when he's has his strength so usually He's what happens is Dracula right you're of any type of vampire usually what happens is there's a plan to fight them in the daytime and then something happens that forces them to uh end up being at night like they can't get to their location in time something goes wrong etc etc in this one they literally just wait until nighttime why don't they just drag his ass out into the daylight Right. Well, that's okay. So this is spoilers, uh, sort of, since it's a, you know, we know that Dracula yeah, the survives. The book is like 300 years old. Yeah, it's 300 years spoiler to a book. But their, I guess it's a spoiler for their plan, is that their plan is they're going to purposely sink the boat, right? And then they're going to, they know he's held up in the hall somewhere. So they're going to seal off all exits from the hall except for one to like flush them out through this one exit, right? Ooh, it's purposes... that Alien 3 setup. Right. Exa- no, exactly. And then they're going to flush them out, right? And then uh, drown them on the boat. Except it doesn't make any sense that they're going to leave a, 
an hole to flush him out because they're trying to drown him in the boat and they're trying to get away on the life rafts, right? Unless you were doing this in the daytime, being like, okay, he's either going to sink with the boat or he's going to come out into the daylight and fry, you know? But they wait until night. And not and it's not like, oh, shit, our, we didn't have enough time to get our plan together before the sun went down or something broke or this or that. It's like they just straight up wait. Because they don't exactly know where he's sleeping. No, but they know that he's in the hall. They know that, like, they're going to flush him through this one thing. They set up everything. They have everything set up, ready to go. And then they just wait until nighttime. They're like, okay, everything's set up. Two hours till sundown. What's he sleeping in? He's got all these like uh, like uh, crates full of dirt, and I know that's where he's sleeping. But in they the don't holiday. know which one. They don't know which one, right? At one point, they find the one that he has been sleeping in because it's got his cane in there, right? And they're like, oh, he must have been sleeping in this one. It has like a Dracula shaped indent in the dirt. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like, so it's just like it's just lazy in those like setups, right? You know, it's just and that's kind of the what's consistent throughout the entire movie is the setups are lazy. So therefore the movie feels lazy and it's not, nothing really feels that tense or satisfying. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. And I, you know, I've liked that director's other movies. He did a troll hunter and autopsy of Jane Doe. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Oh yeah. This should have been a home run. Did you know he made another movie in between scary stories to tell in the dark and this movie? called mortal from the that kind of got buried in 2020 and it's about a little kid or not a kid he's like 20 something who's like the reincarnation of thor and it is really bad so maybe he's on a downward spiral i don't know but there are no vampires and there are no thor north gods in the movie that we're going to talk about today in part three of our mutant series that nobody asked for uh hey keith how's it going great welcome to the trash heap movie hour where we're given these discarded gems a second chance and we're out to prove once and for all there are no garbage opinions only garbage movies and speaking of garbage wow yeah we're gonna talk about a movie today uh 1996's island of dr moreau yeah how do you you finish off uh a series of mutant-related films? Well, you fill an island with them. That's correct. Do you want to always want to say Monroe when you say this title? Absolutely not. I always, I always have to like think consciously think to not say Monroe. I did riff on it a few times of like the island of Doctor Moron and the island yeah. of Doctor Mormon. And oh yeah. Thought about like what those premises might look like. Well, I think the Island of Dr. Moron would actually be this movie. <laughs> I think it would be the exact same movie. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this movie, but ooh, it's a doozy. Uh, <laughs> if the Island of Dr. Ex- Moron, all the doors would be backwards and they wouldn't open. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Had you seen this before? Yes. Yeah, so yes, had I. I have seen it several times. And actually, I was... Several kind of, times, really. I was kind of mystified because... Well, yeah, like when I was younger and I, you see a trailer for a movie like this... Yeah. Do yourself a favor, too, if you haven't. Uh, do yourself a favor, you're Do saying. yourself a favor and watch all the different trailers and TV spots for this movie because they're fucking awesome. Especially, like, the full-length theatrical trailer 
which has like a on the seventh day God created man like kind of motif, and it's yeah tremendous. I should go back and rewatch those because this was when this movie came out. I remember this was this was one of those movies that I really wanted to see. Was really pumped on it, and I we were just talking about this with some other movie that this happened to me before. Where I was like really excited to see it, N- never saw it. Oh, we were talking about it with the last movie, Gremlins Two. Yeah, never saw it. Didn't see it till I was an adult, and I was like, "Damn, I guess I wasn't missing anything." However, that being said, so upfront, this movie sucks. It's bad. This movie's also fa- fascinating. It's fascinating just to watch, even though it's bad. And the stories around it, and the production, and everything that went down, and the people behind the camera are, is are also fascinating. So yeah, there is, every frame of it is like a compelling story in itself. Yes, you don't so have to worry about the the total movie uh, narrative, right? Because so everything reg- else is interesting. Yeah, regardless of this movie not being good, I would one hundred percent recommend watching it for all these different factors um so what so this is based on a a novel uh by hg wells what's the general premise for those unlightened uh uneducated boorish uh reality show consuming nimrods who've never heard of a book before keith yeah listen up you nimrods i haven't read the book so i am also a nimrod (laughs) but you are aware that it is a book yeah i was aware that it's a book I was also aware that it was a movie in 1977, mm-hmm. starring that that one guy who has Burt a Lancaster, good, like, yeah, and Michael York. Michael York, yeah, he's got a good sort of like yelling reaction face. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's about a Nobel Prize winning geneticist or doctor, whatever the dentist, whatever the hell who moves to a tropical island in order to do his unholy experiments on animal and man alike as he searches for a way to create the purest life form ever to right. exist. One one absolved of the primal instincts to murder one another. Right. His goal is to eliminate conflict and find peace. Basically, he just wants to take and a hodgepodge. Fails. Yes. Yeah. He wants to take a hodgepodge of all the best qualities of every animal that's ever lived and make one perfect species. And he fails. So, He's not yeah, good so, at his job. So the and uh, so in the book, to my understanding, he is doing more experiments along the line of like vivisection where he's he's cutting off like the the head of a gorilla and sewing it onto the body of a man and putting in like sewing two brains together or something. <laughs> I might be That's such a, dumb a little idea. Yeah, it might be a little uh, confused on the actual uh, logistics of it, but it is more akin to something like that. Whereas in this, they're doing genetic splicing and you know gene engineering and so on and so forth. Yeah, our first big shocker is a llama lady giving birth on a on an operating table. Right, and it is, and it's alarming. Per- it is. And it's not so crazy that those would be the two different forms of science being like the book was written in like 1896 and this movie came out in 1996. So 100 years to the to You're the Only 10 the years year. apart. That's crazy. 10 years apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this movie um, has been adapted before. It was the 1977 one that you mentioned and also a 19, I think, 35 movie called The Island of Lost Souls with Charles Lawton and Bella Lugosi. 
Bela Lugosi think plays every animal. Pretty much, yeah. No, he plays the Sayer of the Law, the, oh, the yeah. Ron Perlman role in in a in this movie. Yeah, the benevolent Goat Man makes his return. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably say uh, that the actual the, the the Charles Lawton the nineteen thirty five one is probably the best, or not by probably it is the best in terms of just like is this a good movie uh, of the three. But what what this version helps cement is the fact that you don't need a good movie to have a a good experience. Right. It's this movie is well, and it's kind of crazy, and we'll get more into this later. Like you do see like the glimmer of something of something good, or like oh yeah, they were, they they almost had it in that scene, right? Yeah. You know, those those there are elements there and there are ideas there that are good, but the execution is so terrible. Well, and also there are, you know, factors to consider like, uh, I don't know, an actor's divorce, the a child's suicide, a performer's habitual drug problem. There are many sort of roadblocks to the success of this movie. So it's... Uh, the fact that it even came out is kind of a credit to, uh, I don't know, I guess John Frankenheimer or the folks at New Line. Uh, somebody should get credit because, uh, dear God. Well, so, yeah, let's get like into a little bit of the production of this movie. So you brought up John Frankenheimer. He was not the original director. He was not. Uh, the original director was named Richard Stanley, who is quite a character. He wears a funny and hat. He looks like a witch. He wears witch. a funny hat. Well, he doesn't just look like a witch. He is a practitioner of witchcraft and hired a warlock to cast a spell to ensure that his movie that he got that he was able to secure Marlon Brando in the role of Dr. Moreau and that the production would go well and all his business dealings would go well. Oh my god, and it worked. And only believes that this movie fell apart because the warlock who cast the spell got sick. And when he got sick, all of his previous spells started unraveling. I didn't know that was a rule. Apparently. So if a warlock gets the flu, then that just voids all spells. Well, I guess he got really sick. He was not just like a little under the weather, but he was like in the hospital, like on death's door. So maybe he got cursed by a rival warlock. And it's then that quite possible. his spells. And this is, again, this is what's like crazy about this. So if, if you, I will talk, obviously we're going to talk about this, but there's a very good documentary about the making of this movie that will definitely go more in depth into all the little details and nuances of the making than we will called Lost Soul. It's called Lost Soul something. And then something like with the undertitle subtitle of something like Richard Stanley's doomed journey to the Island of Dr. Moreau or something like that. But if you just look for a movie called Lost Soul, you'll find it. It is an essential pairing with this movie. Oh, yes. Yeah, I don't you know can't... if you should watch it before. I think you should watch it after. I think so, too. Yeah. You know, uh, the very, yeah, the first time I watched it was definitely after I, I saw the, 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 the movie itself. And then this time I did it in reverse, you yeah. know. Uh, but, it, yeah, it is completely essential. And, you know, a lot of people, like, do things like kind of build themselves up as a character and whatnot and create this lore around them. Richard Stanley is so nonchalant about talking about 
his his witchcraft practice, you know, his practice in witchcraft and his hiring of warlocks. It's just basically the way someone else would be like, well, yeah, so anyway, I was at the church bake sale and, uh, you know, I was talking to my pastor, blah, 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 blah. Which, I mean, honestly, to me, they're kind of the same thing. Like, you do both believe in some form of magic. That being said, at least if you are, you know, of these more traditional religions, like if you're a Christian, a Muslim, a Buddhist, Hindu, you were at least indoctrinated in that culture normally when growing up. And the world around you is telling you that it's a legitimate thing. Not just even from people who practice it, but other people just recognize that, yes, this is an established thing, rather than like, oh, yeah, uh, I'm a witch and uh, I hired a warlock to curse this film. Yeah, he you know? comes off as one of those people who is, like, very charming in, like, passing chit-chat, but if yeah. you get in too deep with him, like, he's going to ruin your life. Right. Like, I would have a beer with this guy, but I would never go over to his house. Yeah, or you tell know, him where of, you live. Exactly. Because he's definitely showing up at like three in the morning right. for like one reason thing. or another. You don't have to tell him where you live. He'll use his witchcraft to locate you well, that's after he's scary. stolen some of your hair, you yeah, know? He is going to, yeah, you never turn your back on him because he's taking your hair for sure. And not only did he like ha- hire a warlock to bless the project, after he ultimately got fired from the... Uh, from the movie, he set up rock formations around the set in an attempt to curse the project. Like, this guy is a complete fucking loon, and he has made, he had made two movies prior to this, and now recently has made another movie recently, which is just like, it's remarkable that like, if you, that a guy like this could go in and uh, infiltrate big businesses like Hollywood. Well, the fact that, uh, you know, studio seats change so often Right. That, you know, eventually they're going to lose track of his bad reputation. And they're going right. to be like, oh, you know, Stanley's, uh, he's made some movies. Like, we'll give him a chance. Whatever. Right. Yeah. We won't give him too much money and whatever. He knows how to do some of the stuff. So the basic kind of like premise of like how this movie went down is this guy who's very odd and a protect- practitioner of witchcraft. And it makes a couple low-budget movies, uh, Hardware, and what's... Do you know? Can you remember the name of the other one? Uh, Dust Devil? Dust Devil. And then gets the opportunity to make his dream project, which is The Island of Dr. Moreau, for a big-budget movie for a big studio. And it within a week of filming, everything starts to fall apart. There are some things that are outside of his control, like a hurricane, and then also just his erratic, weird behavior. He ends up getting fired, and then they just hire John Frankenheimer uh, to come in and try and salvage the project. And he doesn't really give a shit about the movie. He's just kind of there for a paycheck. And then it's kind of the same with the actors who are involved, and everyone's just kind of like fucking off. And the other actors who were like just like sideline characters are all actors or supporting actors are all like, what the hell's going on? This is a complete clusterfuck. And then the movie ends up getting released, etc. So... That's the basic setup of how all this stuff went down. But it's even weirder than that. It really is like an amazing like story unto itself. And one of the great sort of failures, like I'd put it up there in like the top five like disastrous movie productions. Because right. it really is that like there's just so many extraneous. I mean, the, the original lead was going to be Bruce Willis, Bruce, not, not David was... Thewlis. Yeah, it was Bruce Willis, James Woods. Who James, James Woods was like Woods in this was like, movie. 
What this the was like, fuck? In 1996, James Woods was still like a much more viable actor. It oh, wasn't yeah, like the sure. it wasn't the height of his career. You know, that was probably like a late 80s. You know, where he was like a leading man in you know at that time for a little bit. But he was definitely a go to like he was getting consistent work in the 90s. Yeah, he was for getting sure. consistent work, and he was a go to like kind of like here's our reliable supporting lead. You know, like. He'll play he'll play a very significant role that's not the lead and he is respected as an actor. He often gets nominated for awards, blah 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 blah. He was like a legit guy at that time. Marlon Brando was still kind of writing a little bit of his like legend at that time before it completely just fell into oblivion you know like, i think he I was th- during this time marlon brando was taking that chemical that turned the batman villain like that created Clayface, <laughs> because that seems to be he's like on that trajectory to where he thinks right. he can transform his face but yeah realistically it's just like causing like some kind of genetic breakdown right He's like looks right. like he's always melting. It's it's truly, crazy to think that young Marlon Brando and this guy are the same, or the even same like uh, uh, Apocalypse Now Marlon Brando. It's oh, it's fucking it's, it's, it's absurd, and it's not just like in his physical appearance, but just his behavior mm-hmm. and everything. And you know, there's also kind of like when you watch the documentary, once everything really starts falling apart. You know, and all there's all these onset problems. You get a vibe from the other actors and p- other people working who were interviewed that Marlon Brando was a, intentionally just started fucking with the movie. You know, like he's he's notoriously a difficult actor, but like at this stage, he's just like, this is crap. I'm just going to try and sabotage it more and more and more, and ever, this whole thing's going to be a big prank to me. You know, and he did, and he did. At the same time, there's like a couple scenes where. Because he's not in a ton of the movie to begin with. No. There's a couple scenes where, like, whatever weird thing he's doing actually works. And in a better movie, like, it could have been considered brilliant. Oh, yeah. You know? There's, like, definitely a handful of those moments. Like, when he's playing piano with his little guy uh Oh, yeah. Partner, with, like, where he, uh, and and the, where, then the little guy's got a little piano. And there's just yeah. these sweeping camera movement movements. That's that they... actually like a genuinely like great scene, right? And then like that scene where right you know, right when the the animals are starting to turn and rebel and they like sneak into his house and he comes across him while he's getting a midnight snack and he starts playing the piano for them and trying to calm them down. That scene's actually really good. And he's actually really good in that scene. And when I say really good, I'm saying really good for this movie. But it is one of the glimmers of like, oh, there was a good movie somewhere in here. And I don't know if it was, you know, it's like, it's the hindsight is twenty twenty thing. It's like, well, what if Richard Stanley had gotten to direct it? What if they had given him more support? Would his vision have been great or would it have been even worse? I don't know. But at least there's something there, right? Yeah, at least. But man, there's so much weird stuff about this movie. And not just like what you mentioned, like, okay, the original star was supposed to be Bruce Willis. Like, Stan Winston's Creature Shop did all the makeup effects for this movie, right? There was a lot of, like, There's a couple of those guys who look awesome, too. You know, here's the thing about, you know, when I'm looking at this movie overall, the whole movie is lit in such a lazy, poor way that everything looks fake. Even, like, real trees look fake in this movie, right? 
uh, t- like the shirt someone's wearing doesn't look like a real shirt. And when we're looking at the, 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 the creature makeups and effects and stuff, it all kind of looks like, you know, when you're like watching like a making of documentary about something that has a lot of effects and you see like, n- Oh, everything's just shot s- with a camcorder. Right. And it's the behind the scenes footage of like do when they're doing like a, a screen test to see how makeup looks on. Yeah. On a movie, but they're not. Act- you're not actually watching that. You're just watching like them filming that. That's what everything looks like. It's like there's there was no care to be like, okay, so there's limitations to this creature shoot. So don't shoot them from this angle. Yeah. Right. Or light it l- a little bit darker to cover up the seams of the makeup. You know, because we even in like our most favorite you know creature feature movies where we go like oh my god the thing is incredible this and that like the xenomorph when this guy in the xenomorph costume is just walking around on set oh it looks like a guy walking around yeah it looks like shit right but when they like shoot it from a certain angle and light it a certain way and don't you know it looks amazing yeah. you know say so that's what's going on here they're not doing the uh hey like we need to like think about how we shoot this type of thing well i think also yeah they were just trying to get it in the can but also right. the you know these are uh uh half guys like one of the you know the hyena man is walking around wearing like pants uh right for half the movie <laughs> and i'm okay with that you know that's all fine and good right you know like i do think though the cheetah man mm-hmm. looks awesome and i think the I don't know if it was a warthog or a javelina or what, but whatever the yeah. pig man with the tusks was, oh, yeah. that was my absolute favorite. That guy looks so sick. That one probably works the best because of this, the very nature of a pig. Like you're not going, he's not going to be emoting as much through his face. You know? Yeah. Like, There's also his... lots to sculpt and kind of right. create like depth. But yes, a lot of those sort of frontline, like the servant guys who are like kind of ape like, yeah, or whatever they are, or they're like kind of like they're a little bit more, like obviously like more you, you human. Get the vi- yeah, you get the vibe that hyena and cheetah and warthog man are like the first experiments, and then the the people he has closest to him who are living in the living in his house with him who are a little more human like are the later experiments right yeah. there closer to his per, quote unquote perfection. Yeah, yeah, those makeups are. Those look actually closer to like a Dick Smith makeup. Like they look very old timey for some reason. Yeah. I think probably a lot of it does come down to lighting, you yeah. know, where it's just like it's it's they're lit in a way that they look like Halloween costumes, like very good Halloween costumes. Yeah, much better than uh, some other. But you never get the vibe that they're like a real thing kind of. No, but there is a cool selection of wild creatures, and it is kind of fun in a lot of the group scenes where there's just, like, a ton of extras to kind of pause at some moments and look around. I mean, at one point, there is, like, an orgy going on, and it's all gross and weird. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe don't pause during that one. But it's still, (laughs) like, there's a handful of, like, very big scenes where there's a ton of... Like the one where the first scene where David Thewlis runs into the, they escape to that village with the down plane parts. And there's a, a very cool, just sort of like camera movement through the village that, you know, shows off a lot of those different creature designs. 
But another thing to its credit is one of the things that makes this movie watchable, despite how bad it is, is not just like the fascinating aspects of just like, what the fuck am I watching? But it does actually hit consistent story beats that progress and move the story along pretty well. You know, so you don't really get bored or feel like it's dragging at any point. No, you know? it never dawdles. In fact, sometimes it moves so fast. I'm like, wait, uh, hold on a second. Wasn't there supposed to be a scene right there for, you know, uh, yeah. sort of building this up or, do, you know, doing this thing? But yeah, but like the character not. development that leads up to like the the man beasts uh, rebellion is is pretty good, you know, Uh Actually, the animals get all the best character work, and the one that really suffers is the main nerd, who's just sort of there to, I don't know, make goofy faces at everything. Our protagonist really doesn't do anything He's a fucking dud, man. Until the very end, where he's like the one who kind of gets inside the head of Hyena Man after his rebellion and kind of causes him to sabotage himself, you know? Which is a good, which is another good scene, you know. All things, all things considered, when we're looking at this movie as a whole. Uh, but other than that, yeah, he's. It's just kind of like, I, I think that's partly, partly miscasting and partly his character being underwritten, or at least. Well, apparently, he got to rewrite his character as part of the collective chaos of the film, right? And I think he like some other folks on the cast was like, I would like to be in this movie less. So let's go ahead and just trim <laughs> right. this down. <laughs> right. That's again. So yeah, there might be all these reasons why, you know, like these actors who are normally good, aren't good in this movie or this and that. Like, I'm just saying like, whatever the final product is, this is what we're, this is what we're watching and, and judging it on. You know, like what are some other crazy stories that happen behind the scenes? Well, apparently Val Kilmer showed up to the set in like full like superstar like ego out of control mode right and he was also i believe at the height of his cocaine addiction yeah so he had a lot going on i will say though like in the first like half of the movie and even like just the entire movie the scenes he's in he seems like he's having the time of his life He's yeah i would say not every scene there's some there's are definitely some scenes where he's just kind of like Kind of like sleepwalking through it, but there are times where, where he's really good, and he was originally cast in the lead. Of like the with the character that David Thewlis plays, um, and then he kind of got bored with that thing, and like to stay in the movie, like he ended up wanting to be the, the kind of like the game warden more or less, you know, the vet, the vet who's yeah whose job is more like in charge of like wrangling the animals, giving the animals their shots. Yeah, and that was, which was going to be the James Woods role, which I imagine a lot of that role must have been cut down too, because you you wonder like why would you be more interested in playing this role? You don't really do much until the very end. Well, he apparently he originally signed on because he wanted to go toe to toe with Marlon Brando, and then right. when he showed up and saw that Brando was just kind of a sad sack. Uh, as a result of his daughter committing suicide. Right. Big shot. And other things, but yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a, a big one. Uh, he became very disinterested and didn't want to interact with him at all. So that right. makes sense as Montgomery has, you know, very few scenes with 
uh, Marlon Brando. Yeah, and which is supposed uh, to be because it's funny, kind of funny because he's supposed to be like kind of his right hand man. Yeah, and then at the end, he transforms into him in a hilarious send up. There's something that, right out of Hot Shots. I mean, it's it's out of Hot Shots because it comes so out of left field. So basically, like you know, spoilers again. Like the animals kill uh, Doctor Moreau, which kind of sends like kind of like this power grab frenzy where the animals are trying to take control. Uh, Val Kilmer's character sees an opportunity to kind of uh, surplant himself as the new, as the new Moreau and like starts dressing like Dr. Moreau and doing a Marlon Brando accent and, and impression, which is really great. And I would just wish there had been a lot, a little bit more buildup into his own character's madness. And in my memory, there is in my memory, there are scenes of him like doing more drugs and like stumbling around like all sweaty and stoned out of his mind. So and okay, that- then there is also a scene in my head where he is like fooling around with the pig lady. Oh, I do not remember that scene. I but must I have gonna- made that up. Where did you watch this movie this time? Uh it was free with ads on YouTube. <laughs> okay, so that's where I watched it too. And I remember a scene with him that wasn't in this in in it so maybe it was cut for the youtube release or maybe we were collectively making up more stuff yeah. because it's been a long time since we've seen it but i kind of remember a scene where it's like a dinner scene there are dinner scenes with him but another dinner scene where it's him like talking to the animals before he's made his full transformation into like M- moreau uh yeah. 2.0 yeah yeah, he's got uh, like yeah, he's wearing sunglasses at dinner and has like uh like a something on his head. Yeah. Uh and I wonder so there is a director's cut on Blu-ray mm-hmm. that has like 4 minutes of additional footage, but I'm like oh, the stuff you know in my head is that 4 minutes worth or is it more? I can't I don't think it's that much. Honestly, that might have been the move the version I originally saw. So, yeah, I like wonder. I said, I didn't see, I didn't see it until I never saw it. Like when it during its first run, I saw it. Like I was probably like uh, mid to late twenties when it, the first time I saw it. You know, so it could very well, maybe even early thirties. So it could have been very well. Uh, that's what I saw, and that's what I'm remembering. I don't know. Yeah, I did now a I'm quick kind of, search for the deleted scenes, and I couldn't really find them. Yeah, uh, right off the bat. So. But yeah, but see, there's another one, an element where that's kind of a very interesting idea, right? Where the main, the you know, Moreau gets killed, killed off. This character kind of tries to surplant himself as him, and then also kind of gradually becomes him, and like starts wearing the, his clothes and makeup. And, yeah, because that's another thing Marlon Brando's character does is he wears all this white makeup whenever he goes outside to protect himself from the sun. See, I thought and, it was zinc oxide. Oh, maybe, but it's I was like, like that's base... got to be zinc because that would, you know, that's what people do to. Sure, I'm just from... saying he he wears it and he wears he covers his entire like head yeah. in it, you know, and it's then not the ice like... bucket. And the ice bucket right, on the his ice head. bucket is sort of a legendary because right. he he really wanted he was like <laughs> yes, it's actually hot. I want this metal bucket full of ice on top of my head to keep me cool, and we're and gonna put work... it in the movie. And they work it into the movie, which yeah. actually I think works. You know, yeah. like. When he's having, he's like, well, put more ice in my head. Yeah, so Faruza Balk, the cat girl, is like, let me put yeah. some more ice in your ice bucket. <laughs> yeah, it genuinely works, you know? And 
if we got more of that, like, you know, if we lean into the, more of these things of the, these weird eccentricities and of like, what are the people, weirdos on this island doing these weird experiments? How are they going to be like? I mean, I like the way that he, Moreau is kind of set up as like kind of like a new age cult leader, but it just doesn't go far enough. You know, it's not, not enough is done with it. Um, no, he's not sort of mesmerizing and charismatic and, and manipulative. The only control he really has over the animals is the, you know, electric shock the sort of embedded devices. Right. Kind of like uh, Jurassic Park almost, like the fail-safe safe in order to maintain order amongst right. the, the animals. Right, which is, a, which is a good device. Like, I mean, it is a de- physical device in the movie, but it's a good plot device yeah, because... It's a, it's a very well-engineered <laughs> piece of tech. <laughs> because ultimately, like, the animals the animal people figure out they're like oh that's there's an implant in us and that's how he does it it's not magic yeah they can rip it out right you know they figure that out and that's what like shifts the tide but it's kind of like the electric shock is his go-to means of control where it should be like his last resort right like if he used charisma and you know manipulation and all this stuff uh that was his primary thing but when things really got out of hand that's when he uses the shocker, right? Yeah, and uh, it's it's actually he uses it like way too much, you know, throughout the movie. Um, yeah, and I mean that's the sort of the shortcoming of the script in terms of like it's not really clever enough to right. kind of impress at this stage. In the nineties, uh, I think that would have been perfectly serviceable, uh, to be honest. If I had seen this. Although, you know, writing was starting to get a lot more clever in the mid-90s with movies like Seven and, you know, things like Fight Club coming out soon. Just sort of all these higher concept sure, ideas and stories. So this, like, it does feel a little bit dated, even though some of the visuals might feel kind of modern. A lot of the uh, ideas and notions are a little bit kind of old-timey feeling. See, I feel like vid, the visuals feel pretty dated, too. Like, I feel like this was a TV show that would just happened to, like, be shot on the, the set of a of a, of a, of a full-on movie, you know? I like just mean had... in terms of, like, hyena wearing camo pants and wielding an AK-47. Like, that seems like kind of a modern concept. Okay. I guess. I mean, this was also, <laughs> like, this was also, like, the height of, like, mutant mania or like just past the height of mutant mania we'd all seen mutants in like cartoons and comics and movies wearing pants and doing ninja moves and one stuff, of my so. favorite mutant moments from the 90s was the fact that when they wanted to adapt the mighty ducks into a cartoon series they made them like anthropomorphic ducks with like battle armor is that a thing yeah i never i don't think i ever watched that cartoon yeah it was like so. ducktales on steroids interesting they're like we don't want kids i mean i kind of get the idea of turning it into ducks for a cartoon but like roided out ducks in battle armor yeah that seems kind of weird they were undercover as a hockey team oh my god check please uh yeah i don't know i still think even like you might be right about like higher concept stuff being coming more prevalent right after this but I think good writing still previously existed, you know, since the dawn of movie making, you know, and 
good characterization. No, but I think because this is such an old story, they needed to bring something. They needed to update it a little bit for the modern. Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah, absolutely. Of course. I mean, like the very fact that it's set in the modern time and uses genetic splicing rather than just like sewing humans in, in, in animal parts together. I think does that like there's, but there's still no reason why. And I have no problem with the shocking device in and of itself. I think it serves a great purpose within the, within the story. It just would have been better if his character was written out a little bit more and maybe it was, and this is all they were able to film with Marlon Brando on the days he was cooperating a little bit, you know, type of thing. Um, Cause they definitely set him up as like this kind of like Messiah, cult leader to these to these to his own creations but then when his behavior doesn't really fulfill that that introduction yeah he sort of shot himself in the foot you know as all um sort of false prophets and demigods do yeah trying to trying to be all things to all mutants and uh, not being able to deliver, especially when they start to have existential questions about the nature of their, you know, genetic makeup. Mm-hmm. It's a hard knock life. As it they certainly say. is. Um, so, okay, here's a question for you. So John Frankenheimer comes in, takes the movie as, you know, just a job for hire. He's like just doing it for money. That's fine. I'm not going to knock him for that. You know, like, it is what it is, right? He also was like, you know, from the documentary talks, it becomes clear that he's very frustrated with the people, the actors, like he can't wrangle Marlon Brando or, or Val Kilmer. And he was one of the reasons why he was hired is because he was someone who was like known for being good at wrangling difficult actors. Yeah, he's from the and, old school. Like he's a right? militant dickhole and, you know, yeah. should have been able to bully them into submission, but somehow and, he and, couldn't. And he's just like, I can't do this. And like the other like actors interview the other actors talking about him. And he's just like, hey, we're just here to make this movie, right? Like, they're like, what's my motivation? Like, it doesn't matter. We're just, it's just a fucking monster movie with monsters. And it's going to be bad. We just have to make it, you yeah. know? Uh, so that's that's totally fine. All these things happen. Do you think that if at the onset of the production of this movie there hadn't been like these disasters and these other problems. Do you think the Richard Stanley version potentially could have been better? Or was this kind of always doomed for failure that like in the nucleus, the, the problems lied in the nucleus. Cause obviously like his script was able to attract some big stars, not the big stars haven't been in bad movies, but everyone kind of seemed on board with his vision until they started making it. Yeah, everybody was like ready to make Shakespeare. Yeah. And uh, I think we would have, if he would have continued on the movie without sort of these, uh, this string of catastrophes, I think we would have been talking about this movie in a similar fashion, but kind of in the opposite direction where we'd be like, oh my God, it was this over overly bloated like vanity project like self-indulgent like this auteur going like completely batshit overboard (laughs) which would have been cool in its own right you know what i mean we'd still be talking about it i think without question yeah because like i don't have you seen like so he's made he made the the two movies we mentioned i've seen hardware a million times hardware 
Okay, and, I've, and Dust Devil. He in between this, you know, his attempt of making this, and he made like a he's made like a couple like weird documentaries. That I don't even think have gotten like full on official releases. But then more recently, he did make Color Out of Space with Nicolas Cage. Which, oh, that's right. Which I didn't see, but people seem to like. Uh, you know, it was all right, but it yeah. it is a lot of like, oh, you can tell this guy thinks what he's doing is pretty cool, but his sensibility is not lining up with... It was a lot of sort of nonsense. It had a couple flourishes of interest, but it's also the color out of space is a real fucking weird abstract story to try yeah. to adapt. Like, th- that was a real, like oh, this is the story no one's been able to adapt. I'm going to pull it off. And like, I don't don't know. It's worth a watch. Like if you want to sort of, you know, just marvel at it. But right. So, so like I had never seen one of his movies before. I've seen, I think maybe I caught like a piece of Death Devil on TV or something at one point, like a long time ago, but like didn't really watch it and. It might have been, I think it might have just been like a section out of the middle, out of context. Um, so in preparation for this movie, I, I originally I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I've seen this movie before. I'll just kind of like read up on some of the history about it, and I don't necessarily need to rewatch it. But I was like, no, I'm going to rewatch it. And I rewatched this. I rewatched the documentary. And then I was like, well, I want to put some context in this. So I'd seen The Lost Souls, uh, Island of Lost Souls, which I, I think – it's obviously dated because it's a night movie from 19, a horror movie from 1935, but I think it's a very good execution. Uh, I'd never seen the 77 one, and I, like I said, never really seen a, a, a Richard Stanley movie. So I watched part of the last night. I watched part of the uh, 77 version just to kind of get a feel for it, and it's not good. It, it, it like nothing really happens for the first first 40 minutes. Um, it looks like a movie, like in the sense that like it looks like it was shot on film because it was. But other than that, it's very visually unimpressive. It has a little bit more texture overall than this 1996 version, but nothing happens. It's not good. And then uh, I, wa- I started watching Hardware just to kind of get a feel for him as a director. But it was super late at night, so I didn't I only watched maybe like 20 minutes of it. And I will say it definitely is coherent and looks like a movie more or less, and it's very low budget, but it kind of reminds me of like something from Canon Films, you know, or Albert Pune working at his peak. And maybe that's just because it has cyborgs and robots in it, like the movie Cyborg and a lot of Albert Pune movies does. But it wasn't like, I wasn't, I wouldn't have watched that and be like, this is the next guy, you know? No, I would have more so been like, "Oh, who's this cinematographer?" Right. Uh because with this like crappy of a budget, they created some really interesting visuals. Right. The, yeah. the story and everything is like whatever the characters are like, you know, right out of a comic book. Uh, yes. And the sense of humor is like stupid, but it it has some very striking images, especially right. like is that pre-Terminator or post-Terminator? It's post. It's like, oh, okay. I think that movie's 1990. So it's... Mm, that's right. So it's like, yeah. Um, and Dust Devil was after this one, so... Yeah, I don't know. I don't have, know. You seen that? have you seen that one? No. Yeah. 
I from like from the little bit of it that I'd seen in the past, from what I remember, it didn't really strike me as anything special. Yeah, this is a guy who like saw anime and was like, "No one's doing anything with that. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna sneak some of this type of imagery and stuff in, in here. Like the like people in a gas mask wandering through the desert and like right. You know these robots like all robots like painted up with like flags and stuff like there's also, tons like, of like little little moments like that like the the sort of the fat you know disgusting blob guy watching everybody on his cameras and making mm-hmm. weird comments and stuff like these are all very like if you go like back through you know 80s anime there's all right. this kind of stuff also like I, it's, I think it's interesting to point out that like the lead in the lead character in hardware and the lead character in dust devil both dress the way uh, he dresses yeah. Richard Stanley dresses so it's just like is it is it just complete like like nerd fan like nerd fantasy like everyone in high school made fun of me for being a witch and wearing fedoras and trench coats i'll show them all yeah. you know yeah i don't know i could be speculating pretty hard on that one but i mean there's definitely like yeah like these characters are dressed up the way you dress up. No, you know? it's the you, same and, thing with like Tim Roth in Quentin Tarantino movies. Always uh-huh. dressed the same and whatever. Yeah. Or like the, uh, uh, it's like uh, Tim Roth's outfit from Pulp Fiction, and then uh, Christian Slater's outfit from uh, True Romance. Right. You know, like it's definitely like, oh, this is Quentin Tarantino made himself uh, a guy. Right. In, in yeah. some of these movies. Which, you know, I mean, like, obviously writers do that all the time, you know, where they, like, inject portions of themselves into characters. Yeah, you know, but that's... for Richard Stanley, it's not even subtle. Right. It's just like, <laughs> it's just like, hey, look at me. Like, I've dressed like a wizard, and so do all my characters, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, also, if you just go back and more back on this, there, he also has a very weird connection to uh, the, the book itself, in the sense, so... H.G. Wells publishes the book in like the like like eight, late eighteen nineties. The book is actually a huge like hugely successful. He was good friend. H.G. Wells was good friends with Joseph Conrad, who publishes Heart of Darkness, uh, shortly after this. And in some you know kind of like superficial similarities, there are some superficial similarities in the sense that like it's both about this guy like going to this remote location finding this other guy who's become like this weird cult leader type of guy so hg wells um accuses joseph conrad of plagiarism they have a huge falling out joseph conrad says oh no 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 i didn't base any of my characters on uh the characters from dr morell i based the character of uh i can't remember what his name is in the book but the the Martin Sheen character from Apocalypse Now, he says, I based him on the explorer, the guy who like famously said like Dr. Livingston, I presumed, right? So he based him on that guy. That is the great grandfather of Richard Stanley. Oh, weird. So he's like the great grandson of this famous explorer. Uh, his mom was a, a practicing witch who grew, brought him up in this realm in this, to, to be a practitioner of witchcraft. And then he hires warlocks to help him make his movies. It's like a fucking like 
this seems like a fucking movie character. That maybe that's why he makes all of his main characters himself because he's like, I'm yeah, a fucking he, weirdo. He feels like, like the main character. He's like, I'm fucking fascinating. Put me, make the movie about me. That is you fascinating, know? though. I wish yeah. I had like that kind of a background. That's yeah. tremendous. And I will say too, like this dude is like, despite all of his weird stuff, beside the fact that he like believes in magic and witchcraft isn't seems incredibly well educated and when he's talking about history and literature and folklore he seems to very much know what he's talking about his just ability to maybe put all those elements together is a little haphazard his first foray into filmmaking was in high school where he Hmm. attended a young filmmakers workshop and shot a 10 minute short on the super eight he won the... an international student film trophy for it oh. in 1984. So he was already on that path of like, they told him he was special. I remember when I got told I was special. They said, Keith, your reading comprehension is off the charts. Wow. And then I, my life was never the same after that. I just got increasingly more miserable every year. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, yeah. I kind of, uh, I have a little bit of sympathy for the guy. Well, he seems to be doing more or less all right for himself. He lives in like some weird like castle in France and uh, where he does his potions and like hexes and he just made a new movie. He's probably doing okay, I guess. Yeah, I'm sure he's fine. There you go. He didn't get to make the, the Island of Dr. Monroe, but he got to make a movie about robots and another movie about dust and another movie about colors in space. You know how many movies I've gotten to make? Zero. So I made one, also, I made one movie. That's true. You did. Yeah. I, also I got it try, on DVD. But... If anybody wants to watch it, you come over to <laughs> my house and we'll make uh, popcorn, you know, and we'll have like, uh, yeah. I'll get some red vines and uh, maybe like a, like a cherry Coke or something. You lost me at red vines. Like, uh, okay. Uh, whatever you want, you know, you can have all the, any kind of movie snacks. So let me ask you something and you tell me if this, if Hey, this we are talking th- about me. <laughs> well, this is, it, it relates to you. It relates to your red vine obsession. Tell me if if this pet peeve of mine is too much, or legit, or it's like a legitimate thing. It really bothers me when people say I don't like black licorice. I like red licorice, because there's actually no such thing as red licorice. Licorice is the flavor of licorice. It's from a root. Oh sure. So if someone says they like I like red licorice, I don't like black licorice. It's saying like I don't like beef. I only li- I, I I like chicken, but pretending that they're the same thing. Well, not even chicken, like some kind of genetically engineered like nonsense. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's why I say red vines because I'm like that's not. And I appreciate I appreciate that that you did not call it licorice. Well, and even like Twizzlers, right? Twizzlers is not right. licorice at all. Like right. not even no. close. Like people right. are conflating the sort of physical design. Of the candy right. with the, yeah, the source. Right. Whatever. Yeah, it's a right. very complicated, man, you, you get into the weeds on that because there's like Twizzlers and Twizzlers Pull and Peel and then the fucking, whatever the other one is too. And then the Australian like licorice bites that are supposedly all natural, but they still have red ones. I could right. go on about this all day. I could I could have a, a whole episode. I really like the. Uh, the I love the, talking about snacks. The, the Scandinavian salty licorice. Oh. Oh my god! Have you ever, have you ever dipped your toes in those? 
<laughs> no, I did, can't say that I've put my feet into the snacks. <laughs> they are ag- they are aggressively salty. Oh, I don't it's like a, that. Oh, I don't. I'm gonna get you a pack. I'm gonna get you a little thing. And if you don't like them, I'll just eat them. Oh yeah, that sounds cool. You know, uh, there's grape red vines that are unbelievable. They're yeah, not even pur- red. Or I think what they like purple. You nailed it. But yeah, licorice is the worst flavor, man. It's the no, worst. man. It's the dirt I, like, worst. I, I love licorice. Blackjack gum. You remember that one? Yeah. That was old when I was a kid. and my... Yeah, because it, how do you remember it? It's from the fucking 30s, Keith. Yeah, my, ti- my, it was traveler? old. Like, my dad turned me onto it, and it was, like, old, you know, to him. And, uh, boy, howdy, it was disgusting. Just the speak... fucking dirt worst. Speaking of time travel, have you ever heard of this... Uh... Russian time travel hoax guy. Uh, maybe. I never heard. Goes about by the it. name of Dostoyevsky. Uh, yeah, that's it. It's, I think it's. I think it's a very like common German name, or sorry, Russian name, like Sergei something or other. Uh, but it's very yeah. Uh, I guess in like 2005, there was this guy who claimed to have been a time traveler from the past. Uh, but like an accidental time traveler, he's like, I was walking down the street, and I got time traveled flashlight i got time traveled and then he has photos of himself in the past with some woman in the past and they found the woman and she's an old lady now cool uh, i i guess it got debunked, obviously got debunked but it was a very elaborate hoax and i need to read more about it yeah, it's pretty this, like, cool. real... yeah it has nothing to do with anything but i wonder how many of those types of setups are actually like oh, I saw this flash of light and I woke up in the future. It's someone who like fell or got hit in the head or hit by a car and then yeah. they woke up in the future. Well, he also had like a like his ID from like the 50s or whatever. Oh. It was it was like a it was like a whole lot. There was like a he had a whole lot of corroborating evidence. Dude, a for effort. Yeah, that like I'm that not like sure what he hopes to gain by, by and like doing the per- that. The person he would he was talking about was a real guy. Like he claimed to be was a real guy for, that had birth records and all this stuff. Like, and like I said, there was an actual, like the woman in the photo that he presented was like they found her and she's like, oh yeah, I knew him. He disappeared like in the fifties. That's pretty cool. He was like, I dated him, and then one day he just was gone in a flash of light. <laughs> we were yeah. walking down the street and he just disappeared. <laughs> yeah, here's the singe on my arm. Yeah, that would be very impressive. But yeah, anyway, I, don't know, I gotta give credit to people like I don't know. Like, are they really like you know screwing anybody over by doing something like that? Not absolutely really. not. No, like anytime when people like try to call someone out, like your house wasn't haunted, you made it all up. Like so, like it is a victimless victimless lot lie. You know, yeah, and even the people that they would might swindle money out of are you know trying to get rich off of this person's story right you know in most right cases. you know and it's like it's kind of like hey if you paid me to read my fake book about my ghost encounter like were you entertained by this ghost encounter book like okay like everybody wins yeah like the ufo guy yeah right uh, travis bickle travis travis walton that's it yeah i've paid money to hear him speak yeah you so. willingly swindled <laughs> yourself i swindled myself <laughs> you should know better <laughs> I was like, for the whole time, I was like, this is probably fake. And but, it yeah. was. It was. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Do you have any other final thoughts? Any 
glowing recommendations. Any movies related to this movie that you would recommend to people before we get out of here? Uh, I think any movie where there's a bunch of half animal, half people characters walking around in cool suits uh, is is worth at least one look. Yeah. So like uh, Tank Girl, Hell Comes to Frogtown. Oh my God, no. Planet of the Apes, I guess. I don't Hell know. I still yeah. gotta. Che- I gotta check those ones though. Check those out. The new ones, the monkey holding a gun. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotta watch Honestly, those. like uh, the the second the second one in that new trilogy, which I think is called Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, actually does a lot of the same stuff, like thematically that this movie does. Just does it way better. Yeah, I think you could sort of tell that Richard Stanley was probably a, like a planet of the apes guy. Like there's yeah. definitely like some, some of those moments, but that could be a fun double feature though. Like, uh, this movie with Dawn of the planet of the apes. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I would definitely recommend this movie for all of its craziness. Um, I would not recommend tank girl and I would really not recommend hell comes to frog town. All right, fine. Hell comes to frog town is pretty much unbearable. I don't know. About uh, that. There's very few movies that I think are completely unbearable. Uh, I can't think of f- any off the top of my head, but I'm sure yeah. maybe we should. That should be an episode uh, here as we as we close in on episode number 100. Jesus. We should count down our top five most unbearable movies to watch. Okay, yeah, that's kind of that interesting. Could be, that, that could be kind of fun. We try to you know give a lot of like a lot of things the benefit of the doubt but maybe we right. should just abandon all hope yeah god it's good. honestly like sometimes i might those those are the types of movies that are harder that, to remember and think of it is because you, you yeah you, you push them out of your brain out, yeah right where it's just like in, until someone else mentions them and you're like oh my god i completely forgot about that train wreck yeah uh but that could be kind of fun we might have to like yeah spend some time building the list but it'd be kind of fun yeah, I would recommend this one. I would recommend uh, the Lost Soul: The Doomed Journey of Richard yes. Stanley's Island of Doctor Moreau. I'm pretty sure it's would... available to stream on Tubi and Shutter. Off the top of my head, I don't but... think it's on Shutter right now, but I think it is Ow. on Plex for free. It's definitely floating around somewhere. Yeah, it's yeah. there's tons of free apps you can watch on it. I would recommend the 1935 Island of Lost Souls, the first adaptation of the book. And if you just want to watch a movie about a crazy guy who has an island doing crazy stuff, completely different setup. But I'm, I know I've talked about this movie before in the past, but I really love the original Most Dangerous Game. It's really good. It is certainly dated, but in many ways holds up. Uh, and it is another movie that just kind of moves along really quick. Uh, it's enjoyable. It has a lot of atmosphere and great sets. So check that one out. Yeah, I saw. I always see the poster for Southern Comfort, and mm-hmm. it it make that poster is so good. It makes me want to watch it. And it gets me all like riled up and excited to watch movies about uh, people hunting each other for sport. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. So yeah, there you go. That's yeah. That's pretty much it. I can't. I can't think of any other more mad scientist mutiny movies off the top of my head that I would say would be a good companion. Piece, oh, the Return of but... Swamp Thing never seen that one it's not a good companion to this movie whatsoever but but is it, it's like it's a, it's just kind of like a fun i think it's movie. fine there's a bunch of yeah. slimy guys in suits punching each other in the swamp yeah it's pretty good yeah well do you like the first swamp thing 
kind of. I think it's pretty boring. It's really... Like, if you put it in black and white, it would look like it came out in the, the 30s, you know? Right. And not even, like, one of the good ones from the 30s. Just, like, one of the, like, the, like, the, like, bargain bin 30s uh, horror movies. Yeah. All right. Well, okay, I guess that kind of wraps it up. We'll be getting into, what are we going to do? We're going to start getting into the spooky stuff? Yeah, we're getting close to that time of the year, man. Trashoween is about to kick off. Uh, I don't have a calendar in front of me, but yeah, we're right on the cusp, and it's going to be an about a month and a half timing. from the date. Yeah, yeah. so probably can get in like an ep- we're gonna probably have an episode or two before our official Trashoween episode. So uh, yeah, maybe just spooky seasonal movies from here on out. But what that will be is TBA. So that's it for today. Um, thanks for listening, guys. And Keith, what do you always say? Who do you think you're going to call, hmm? What are you going to say when you get someone on the horn? Mayday, mayday, I'm being held by a pig lady. (laughs) And until next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everyone. Ooh-wee. The pig lady. Everybody go back to doing what you were doing.